You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumer. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumer. You know, Mary, one of my problems, and I, I'm going to admit it right up front, is I woke up really early this morning. I woke up about 4.30 uh, in in the morning. And so I came down to my office, and I sat here, and I thought about Manichaeism. I, I think that's one of my problems. And, and the problem is that you know what that is or that you're thinking about it? Then I'm sitting here thinking about it. I wasn't <laughs> even reading. I was thinking about it, and, and roughly, I... I mean, this is old news. Everybody kind of knows this. Uh, about uh, 250 years after the death of Jesus, roughly, there was uh, a prophet in the Middle East by the name of Mani, M-A-N-I, and he really begins this. And it's, Manichaeism is part kind of Babylonian uh, religious belief and a large part of what we call Gnosticism, which is uh, a belief that continues today. Actually, QAnon is kind of a Gnostic view. Gnosticism believed there was a secret knowledge. Gnostic, uh, Gnosis is knowledge in, in Greek. And the initiates, the people who were in the inside, they had that secret knowledge. The rest of the world doesn't. But the other big part of Gnosticism and certainly of Manichaeism, Manichaeism, by the way, by third, fourth century, was probably the most widespread religion in the world. It, it was huge in numbers. Uh, but the central idea really was kind of a, uh, a cosmology that said that the world, the history of the world is a great struggle. And it's a struggle between good and evil. And that was usually personified. There, there was a good God and a bad God. And the good God was very powerful, but was not totally powerful. And so the good God stood the risk uh, that he could lose this great battle. Now, I'll tell you why I was thinking about all this. I Wait, let me ask a question. This yeah. is the student in me. So is this the time that Christianity arrives at God the way we look at God and then the devil. It, it does. It kind of following out of this and Gnosticism clamped on to Christianity frequently. Uh, remember the time that this is happening, Christianity is a fairly obscure sect of Judaism. I, I guess by this point it's emerging uh, from Judaism. The split is happening. But it is not a world religion. That doesn't really happen until the fourth century. And as that happens, Manichaeism, Gnosticism have grafted themselves onto Christianity. And then really at several of the councils, Nicaea and others, they are fighting against Gnosticism, which we still see elements of, like in the Gospel of John. There's little bits of it. Uh, there, but it's it's condemned. But yeah, that kind of idea uh, that emerged that there was a God, and then Lucifer, which is a Babylonian concept, uh, the light bearer, the one who, uh, it's not a scriptural concept at all. This idea we grew up with that 
uh, there was an angel in heaven who was really only second to God, and then that angel fell away, uh, as Milton will tell us in Paradise Lost, out of a sense of injured merit. He thought he was due more. He fell away, and then he leads the other side. So the answer to your question is yes. But no, the answer I gave was really long. But the it was real so interesting, actually. <laughs> here, here's why all this is on my mind. I think the Republican Party today is actually kind of a Manichaeist party. They view the world as being a massive battle between the good, which is them, and the good was personified by a very powerful, wins all the time, guy who can overturn everything, flawed, not totally powerful, but Donald Trump, the leader of the good, and then the evil critical race theory socialist doesn't understand the importance of merit uh, in a capitalist economy, uh, evil group, and that is you and me. We're the woke. We're, we're the, the woke. The woke are the evil. And what, but to them, this is not a process of trying to figure out how to work together and advance our country. It is a cosmological battle between the good, which must someday prevail, them, and the bad. That's how I was spending my morning thinking about that. What, what do you think? Is there anything to this? Well, first of all, I was not spending my morning thinking about that. I just want everyone to know that. But um, I think it's you're reflecting a, a discussion, I think, that's being had. And um, I did mention to you another time an uh, op-ed that was in uh, the Times on Sunday written by this guy. I think you say his last name, Sewer. But anyway, he's written a book called The uh, Cruelty is the Point. So... And his premise is not different than yours, meaning that when the Republic, the current Republican Party in the um, manifestation of its voters, so we think of it as a top-down thing, like Trump comes and Trump changes the party. And he's looking at it differently than that, which is these voters existed and they were waiting for a leader. And Trump, as imperfect as he is, came came out as that leader because their views. Now, how did he know to do that? Because Trump is very much a chameleon, right? I mean, he's going to um, change his colors to meet the people he's talking to so that he can get the feedback that he's looking for. And he got that from Fox News. So he was watching, because OAN didn't exist back in 2015, right? He was watching Fox and then reflecting back to the crowds what it was they wanted to hear, which is that immigration is bad, um, immigrants are racist, are um, rapists, things like that. There's those and all that fear mongering that we see when we watch Fox. That's not what the average Fox News uh, uh, viewer hears. You know, they don't read it and go, God. Not a bunch of fear mongering. Like, like there, there are truths. They're speaking truths. So, 
it's an interesting theory because it's a puzzle to us. And I'm not, not just talking to about me and you. I'm talking about what we represent in terms of the other side of the political spectrum, which is, sure, you know, I'm sure some native-born people are, and why are you getting everybody worked up on this kind of stuff? But it's an interesting premise, isn't it, that we think it's Trump, and when Trump goes away, the Republican Party will go back to what we knew to be the Republican Party. And his um, theory is, no, that that battle between good and evil, there's the bad people and the good people, and we're on the side of the good people, that's baked into the cake with about 30% of the voters. Well, and if that's true, what is happening now in the Republican Party is Donald Trump is kind of a placeholder. Uh, you know, we wonder, like, why is he still here? They are trying to figure out who should they rest their hopes, dreams, allegiance uh, to out of a field of people, and they haven't really gotten happy with anybody. You know, Josh Hawley thinks it ought to be him. Ted Cruz thinks it ought to be him. All of those kind of things. It just, does that make sense? I mean, will, will Donald Trump be discarded when it comes to the point that they find somebody new to be their savior? I, I think so, because if that if that's your belief system, then your politicians are going to reflect the belief system. I mean, successful politicians are people who can get a coalition of folks to vote for them. I mean, in the United States, right, in a democracy. So why do we say Biden was right for the moment? Because he was reflecting the majority's reaction to Trump, right? Like, wow, that guy's crazy. We don't want any, we want a normal guy. Biden seems like a normal guy. You know, over time, I'm sure if you look back to all leadership through the United States, it's always been this swing to reflecting what people believe. That's what democracy is all. So I think you're right when you say, ultimately, that movement that is the Trumpist movement is going to settle on and find their next guy. So it could be Ron DeSantis. Many people think he's actually the next um, logical uh, follower of Trump in a leadership role because he's very Trumpist, but he's more normal than Trump. You know what I mean? He's less bombastic and kind of crazy than Trump. So that's a possibility. Or as I told you yesterday, the person who wants to run for president is Tucker Carlson. So they could go to another guy who's like a master of uh, fear-mongering and so to go back to your idea about good and evil, and I want to kind of like ask this question and see how I frame it, but that the good and evil piece is um, we are protecting the world from what is bad, right? The, the bad guy, the evil guy. So if you believe that, it, it, I don't say this, it makes me a little more sympathetic to those folks than I, I sometimes am. Because it's not, they themselves don't see themselves as evildoers. They see themselves as of the universe, right? Well, you're exactly right. And think about the things that they've set up that they're defending the world from. Think about QAnon first. They're defending the world from pedophilia, sexual predators. They don't really know where they are. 
they think they're in a pizza place some someplace. But th- I mean, that is like the absolute horror. That is the razors in in the apple uh, at Hallow- Halloween. But it goes on to other things as well. They're defending the world against this uh, insidious group of critical race theorists who are indoctrinating your children. What is scarier than indoctrinating your children? They are the collaboration uh, between the Republican Party and what we used to call the RCs. Well, then it meant Roman Catholics. Now it means Republican Catholics, the, uh, the bishops. And the fear there is there are millions and millions of children being killed by abortion. This is not being formulated in a philosophical, even a theological term. It's a hugely emotional thing. You're killing massive amounts of children. And they have failed in that to engage either Catholics or the rest of the country in what the conversation is. So in 2019, the bishops say, this is, this is their words, our preeminent priority and we have to get everybody to get behind it. So important that we're in, willing to engage in the culture wars. My, my point here between the pedophilia, the way abortion is portrayed, the indoctrination of children is they are in each case attempting to, I was going to say personify, that's not it, to make concrete what the evil is and what could be greater than the evil of pedophilia. And so we must rise up behind the Messiah-like character of Donald Trump and fight that evil. Right. And even you get away from the kids issue, which I think was really well put, even if you talk, you know, we always joke about this critical race theory and all that. But if you you believe that the United States was ordained by God as a great country, um, you know, kind of like, you know, what's that idea? I'm going to not be able to articulate it well, but, and you have that idea of the United States as a great country. And then you have these people come around and they're kind of like cutting at that a little bit. You're not so great as you think you are. Look what you did. And what we want to teach our kids is that, you know, you're not all that to use mom's expression. Yeah. That's very threatening to an identity of I'm an American, I am uh, from the greatest country in the world, and what we've done, we've always done um, for the best of people, now maybe white people, but we've done for the best. So isn't it so frightening and threatening when these woke people come along and say, yeah, you, that's right, but you know, enslaving people is, a, is an intrinsic evil. Or, you know, um, a lot of things the CIA did after World War II in terms of destabilizing countries and setting up authoritarian leaders and all that, that was evil. That kills that narrative. And I think it must be fought against. I think it must, too. And frankly, I am getting so whipped up about this. I'm going to go out today. There's a big mall near me here, Old Orchard Mall. It's really, really big. I'm going to go find a Manichaeus. I'm going to slug him. (laughs) 
I, I haven't figured that's out. That's my other point, John. Is <laughs> well, see if they have a Trump sign in their yard. But the, my point is that sometimes it, it, it behooves us to think through these things so we understand where people are coming from. So instead of dismissing, oh, you're dumb, it's like if this is your worldview, how does that get you to that place? And how do we, and I'm not talking again as us as individuals, but us as a society, have discussions across the board to make people realize, I, the world is not so black and white, and we live in the nuance. Got it. And I think I've solved how we're going to find it. Manichaeist, right? Manichaeist and pedophilia, pedophilia. People go for many petties, many petties, Manichaeist pedophilia. We've got it. Oh my God. Oh my Lord. Talk to you later. Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.